go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Hey, so a lot of times I hear from you guys and you're like, how can I support the show? You know, I, I like what you're doing and I want to give you money. And I thank you for that. Um, and, and now there's a really great way that you can give us money and get something in return for yourself. Just buy our merch. Go to longestshortesttime.com, find the post about merch. Um, we've got onesies there and giant tote bags. They're really great. They've got zippers and we've got shot glass sets. All proceeds from this stuff goes to the show and you get a great gift for yourself or for one of your friends. Thanks for your support. I got a call from a friend recently, my friend Dan Pashman, who hosts the Sporkful podcast. So he calls me up, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and he's like, I've got an idea for you. And I'm like, all right, what? He says he's just been to the circus, and, and he got the chance to talk to one of the clowns backstage before the show started. Uh, Dan tells me this guy, he's in full clown attire, you know, with the makeup and the hat and everything. And he's sort of going in and out of character, like he's doing the clown routine for a few seconds and then snapping out of it and, and telling Dan something about his real life. So he tells Dan he's a dad. He's got a baby at home. And, and Dan's got two kids, so he and this clown, they bond over parenting stuff. And they're talking, and, and Dan's like, oh my god, Hillary's got to get a clown on the longest, shortest time. So he tells me this. He's like, "That that's my idea. And I'm like, okay, Dan, yeah, yep, I'll do that. I think he could tell I wasn't into it. So he's like, no, really, you should do this. Can you imagine what it would be like to have that guy as your dad? Like, like, does he go home and use his clown techniques on his kid? He's like, really, really, I think this could be good. I can tell, you know, Dan's not going to let this go. So I'm like, all right, I'll look into it. A few months ago, at the end of the show, I, I kind of half-heartedly said, hey, everybody, we're looking for a clown. You know, not, not really expecting anything to come through. And then... The thing is, we we just heard from a ton of you. We got emails from clowns. We got emails from friends of clowns. We got emails from children of clowns. Then there's this one guy. I'm Andy Sapora, and I'm an entertainer. That's what I tell people. But then I'm a, I, what I do for a living is I'm a clown. This guy, Andy, he's in the Flying Karamazov Brothers. That's a vaudeville show with juggling and flamethrowing and stuff. He's also a hospital clown for sick kids. Andy emailed us. And I got to say, I, w- I was surprised. The stuff he said in his email really made it seem like there was a lot I could learn from him about parenting. He told me about this thing he uses on the job and at home um, that he calls finding the game. So I invited him to the studio to tell me about it. That's really realistic. Yeah, like any good clown, Andy brought his own sound effects. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Today, Andy Sapora talks about the art of clowning and the art of parenting, which all basically amounts to the art of manipulating people. Andy's got two boys, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so he's relatively new to parenting. But he's been a clown for about 20 years, and he says... 
facing tough audiences for decades has uniquely prepared him for facing toddlers. It's all about winning people over. In a nutshell, you're looking for how I can align myself with something fun that we could both be playing together. How can I make this into a game? How can what we're doing be a game? I actually got a chance to see Andy finding the game on the elevator ride up to the studio. The elevator's packed. Andy's standing in front of me, um, and he turns his body and accidentally hits me in the face with his duffel bag. This other guy standing next to me reaches out to protect my face, and he shoots Andy a dirty look. And then Andy keeps hitting me in the face with the bag. He's pretending that he can't help it in this, like, really showy way. People on the elevator, they're not sure what to make of it, but they can see that I'm laughing. So they all start laughing, too. Andy tells me later, that, that was the game. I won them over. So we're going to break down how Andy does this, you know, how he finds the game at work and at home. We'll start with work. Andy's a hospital clown with the Big Apple Circus. They call it their clown care program. It's pediatric hospital clowning. And what it is, is the way we do it, it's uh, two clowns in in teams of two um, going to the hospitals, uh, dressing up in um, kind of a modest version of what you'd expect. Like, uh, the, well, I tease my hair out because it's light and I'm balding on top. So there's this sort of, I, you know, I tease it out and hairspray. You have so kind of like the classic clown hair. I do. I, it's a, yeah, I got two. But it's natural. It's not a wig. <laughs> no, this right here, this is my, this is a flesh-colored yarmulke. <laughs> yeah, right You're on pointing the at there. your bald spot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I put on minimal makeup. I beige over my face in case I've got, like, bags under my eyes. And then I put a little bit of red on my lip and a little bit of, I darken my eyebrows. And I also change the angle of them. Because if you see, I, I, when I get excited and I raise my eyebrows, they're arched. That's a little bit menacing. And so what I do is I flatten that line out so that when I raise my eyebrows, they look more like, like a puppy dog, like kind of, oh, like, and that uh-huh. is a sympathetic way to look. And so that's less offensive. Yeah. There's like, there's a, there's that like uh, classic thing of like kids being afraid of clowns. Is that ever a fear when you go into the hospital? Oh, of course. And, and, and I, I want to really answer that question really carefully because yes, yeah, some kids are afraid of clowns. Um, more often than not, it's grownups that are afraid of clowns. <laughs> or there's a projection, like where grownups ask that question. I get that question more often than I get a kid who's afraid of clowns. Excuse me, hello. We got Andy to record himself making the rounds at the hospital. Hi, uh, my name's Dr. Baba. He's dressed as a fake doctor. He's got a lab coat, a button-down shirt, and a crazy-colored tie and a red plastic nose. He's working with a clown partner who goes by Dr. Petey. This is Dr. Petey. So, um, looks like you guys are getting ready to leave. We're leaving? We just got here. Was it something I said? No. We visit room to room, and I think we vary the act immensely based on what we see when we enter the room. Um, A large part of the the technique of hospital clowning is to, to be led by the environment. So, you know, you can go from... Zero to 60, uh, if the room is a rowdy, excited room. Mm-hmm. Ah, I've never farted on a patient's bed before. Wow. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> oh, wait, you know what I've really never done? Never farted on a patient. Oh! <laughs> oh, come back here, kid. Oh, he sure is healthy. Better send him home. You can be sure by the end of that room, you're going to be smacking into the walls and tripping over and spilling stuff. And maybe you go in the, in the bathroom that's in their room and you flush the toilet a bunch of times. I can't find my way. Help! Okay, wait a minute. Hang on. You come out with wet toilet paper all over your face. I think your jacuzzi is broken. 
turn the corner, wipe your face dry, and enter a room where a mom has a little sleeping baby, and, uh, you know, she's worried that you're going to wake the baby up because you're a clown, and you might say something like, shh, the baby is sleeping, be quiet. And she is being quiet because she's a mom. That's, you're, and she's like, what, what is this? Who are you? You're so stupid. And then she gets a giggle out of that. She laughs. And he heads to the next room where he finds a teenager, you know, notoriously the clown's toughest customer. What's your name? This kid's name is Gabriel. He barely looks up from his iPad. Gabriel, Gabriel, I see you have your uh, iPad there. And uh, also, is this your karate instructor? Wow. No? Wait, okay. Andy's trying everything he can think of to get a laugh or even a smile out of this surly 14-year-old. Are you the substitute karate instructor? No. He said no again, and she said yes. Listen. He pretends to mistake his mom for a sensei. He pumps some Purell into his hands, rubs it on his armpits like deodorant and behind his ears like perfume. Gabriel ignores him. Andy sneaks a pump of Purell into his red plastic nose. And then... Huh? Huh? Shoo! He pretends to sneeze into his hand, wipes the fake snot on the mom. Nothing from Gabriel. The mom laughs, though. Andy says at times like this, your only option left is to play up your fail. You could even hang your head and do the Charlie Brown music as you walk out the door. Or maybe you say, like, right, I can tell you, I totally get it. Um, you don't want to see clowns. Listen, there's this thing where I have to juggle these balls. Uh, it's it's a pretty difficult trick, but listen, I don't even care if you watch or not. If I don't do it, I have to fill out a lot of paperwork. <laughs> but if I just do it, I can check it off, and then we'll be out of here. So I'll just you know, keep playing your video games. I'm going to be over here juggling. And then I can juggle five balls, which is pretty impressive. They're not expecting that. Um, I do it quickly, and then I say, like, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. I'm like, okay, we're going to be on our way now. Let's let's get out of here. You know, there's a million ways you can say like, "Oh, I get it. We're you're too old for clowns, but uh, but I can still make you laugh." We'll just show ourselves at the sneak door. Out of here. Sometimes all you can do is sadly fart your way out of the room. That's what Andy and Doctor Petey do with Gabriel. This goes on for an uncomfortable thirty seconds, till the mom finally says, "You guys can come hang out with me anytime." <laughs> With all the fart sounds and toilets flushing and fake snot, it can be easy to forget that some of these kids are in the hospital for rough stuff. Andy visits kids with all kinds of injuries and illnesses. Some of them are burn victims, some have asthma, some have epilepsy or cancer. Andy's had a kid in the hospital before, so he knows what it's like. You know, my my six-month-old had to get a surgery um, on his skull. It was terrible. It sounds so delicate because you're around people who are dealing with, in some cases, like life and death situations with their children. It sounds so scary, actually, to walk in and be like, now I'm going to try to make people laugh. Yeah, it is. It is terrifying. I agree. Um, I think of it as helping people breathe again because when you go to the hospital, you kind of hold your breath. You think like, well, if we just can get out of here. And then if you're there for like a week, you can't do that. You have to start breathing at some point. The other thing Andy says is when you're in the hospital, you're constantly being poked and prodded. There's tests and needles, and you can't say no to any of it. We're the one thing in the hospital kids can say no to. And we honor that. That's pretty empowering. So I think of it as a win. In fact, I have a friend who his kid had cancer up in Boston. And, um, he went through the whole thing, all the ordeals, in a hospital where some of my colleagues with Big Apple work up in Boston. And um, when I got this job a couple of years back and I told my friend, like, oh, I'm working for Big Apple Circus as a, as a hospital clown, he said, oh, 
yeah, I remember those clowns. When, when, when my son was sick, we, we used to pull the curtains and turn off the lights and hide because he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, ha, 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 no clowns are going to come in and mess with us. And I was like, you did that, you did that every time you saw the clowns? And I said, he said, yeah. I said, how often did you see the clowns? They said, oh, they came by once a day. We would pull the curtains and hide. <laughs> so you're saying you and your teenage son did something together with a common purpose in a fun way that bonded you and made you like a team against the world. And, and he was, you know, I didn't actually draw him out this way, but I'm drawing, yeah. I'm drawing it out to make a point. That yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those clowns saw them doing that. And those clowns like probably like went a little closer to the door so they'd feel like they got away with something. This is how skilled hospital clowns are at finding the game. They're so good at this that sometimes, even as a grown-up, you don't realize you've been gamed, which is like every parent's dream, right? You know, to get your kid to do what you want, and, and all the while, they're having fun and thinking it was their idea. When we come back, Andy talks about clowning techniques you can use to manipulate your own family. Stay with us. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back with entertainer and clown Andy Sapora. So clowns, you know, they're, they're trained in finding the game in like every interaction that they have. For the rest of us, though, I think that finding the game doesn't come so naturally. You know, when you're in a conflict with your kid, it's easier to butt heads than to say to yourself, now, how can I make this battle of the wills fun? That's why talking to a clown about parenting is useful. Thanks, Dan. Yep, you were right. So we're going to map out for you the rules of finding the game. Let's start with what's probably the most important clowning principle, complicity. Complicity is... Although people think you're misbehaving as a clown, you can't do anything unless the audience wants you to do it. You can't, you can't just act out because you feel like acting out. We're, we're in this together. You have to have the audience begging you, dying for you to pie someone in the face. Because that guy has to be kind of a jerk. And so I always explain it like this, like, you know, in a high school, you can't pie the old lady janitor who's kind of sad and, old, you know, we're going to retire next year. But you can pie the principal if he's pompous and arrogant and he just won principal of the year, but he's kind of a jerk. And then the audience is like, yeah, get him. you you got to have complicity. You have to have people on your side. I'm comfortable as a clown giving the audience freedom to say, we're not complicit with this unless you win us over. Mm-hmm. And I'm comfortable saying to my kids, you can, you can say, we're not complicit with this unless you win us over. It's got to be buy-in. What do you do? What's your go-to thing? Like, what's your strategy? Um, recently, a good one is... Uh, uh, you know, my two-year-old will sort of go to, to the bathroom on the potty. Like, and so he's getting pretty good at it. So he'll uh, he'll spend a lot of time with no diaper on, naked. Naked baby running around the house, likely to pee on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. But we're giving him a shot at hitting the potty. And we got a, we got a few different potties. We got a blue one and a white one and a green one. His favorite color is blue. He will not pee in a potty that's not blue. Because he won't do anything if it's not blue, you know? Okay, so the potty, how do you get him to... Go pee. If I know he has to pee and he's about to pee on the rug, and he, I'm like, go pee. And he's like, he'd say, no. Hey, no way. Like, why should I? I'm having fun over here. I'm playing. I'm doing a thing, and I don't want to be interrupted. But if I say to him, like, do you ever pee in a purple potty? 
He's like, no. <laughs> he looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, do you ever pee in a yellow potty? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm antagonizing him, asking him all the colors he doesn't like, not blue. And then I, you know, we have a green potty. I was like, I think we have a green. Would you play in a green potty? And he looks at me like I'm crazier than anything. I go, no. And then I say, what about a white potty? And he's like, no. He gets more irritated than I'm even asking, right? Like he's he's like, well, what kind of potty would you be in? He's like, a blue potty. And I'm like, oh, that's I should have known because blue is your favorite color, right? I'm like, do we have one? And he's already getting up to go show it to me. (laughs) <laughs> he walks over and he's like, it's right here, dummy. And he's pointing at it. And I don't say anything. He just sits on it and pees in it. That is some master manipulation. Yeah, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> so that's complicity. Finding what particular game you think your kid will buy into. But let's say your kid is giving you a super hard time, like heckling you. Andy says you can use that to your advantage, just like a stand-up comedian would. That's because in clowning, there is no fourth wall. That's the next clowning principle we're going to talk about, lack of a fourth wall. The fourth wall, um, it's a theater term. It means you don't let the audience interfere with or influence what you're doing on stage. You you pretend the audience isn't there. And with clowning, if the audience sneezes or if a cell phone goes off or if somebody heckles you, that's a gift from God. That's then you can really make some comedy out of that because your interruption, your perturbedness, your emotional state that changes because of the audience in, input, mm-hmm. that's clowning. So that like that willingness to be elastic and social and connected with the audience while the show is happening and let them change the show, that's at the heart of clowning. And again, okay, at the heart of parenting. You've got to be flexible. You know, you've got to be willing to let your audience or your kid guide the game. You've got to try different things until you get buy-in. So, for example, that blue potty trick that Andy talked about, it worked great for a while. But now... He sees it coming. He's like, what color potty do you want to pee in? He says, no potty, none of potty. I don't want to potty pee in any potty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's over. So that's not the trick anymore. But then what I'm doing... You don't have buy-in anymore. Right. You, you You couldn't get him interested in that. But what works these days? What works... Oh, now I've been telling him the potty's on fire. He has to put it out with a hose. And maybe he would... I would suggest peeing on it. So that's what's working for Andy, for now. He says he's going to keep using the fire hose line until it stops working, which repetition, that's another clowning principle. If something makes people laugh, you keep doing it and doing it until it stops making them laugh. But Andy says there is one disadvantage to not having a fourth wall, as a clown and as a parent. When you don't have a stage, you don't have any curtains to hide behind, you're you're in a theater in the round. The bummer about that is it's harder to keep anything secret from your audience. You know, it's harder to surprise people. That's why clowns use suitcases. They mm. open it up and they pull something out. That's They're in control of that. You have a bag there next to you. Um, I and I understand you brought some things along. Yeah. Um, can, I, can we see what's in the bag? Yeah, sure. Um, Andy didn't come with a suitcase. He had a duffel. It's the one he was hitting me with on the elevator. Here, okay. I got some stuff. Surprise is key to clowning. Andy says when your kid is throwing a tantrum, one thing you can do is simply surprise them out of it, like do a slapstick routine or pull out a crazy noisemaker or bounce a bouncy ball really hard on the floor. So we're going to spend some time here with Andy's bag of tricks. You're not going to have a lot of these things lying around at home, but, but just remember your entire home is basically a bag of tricks. You could turn pretty much anything into a prop. 
What is that? It's uh, size Just 100 underwear. <laughs> size 100 underwear. Oh, my goodness. It's about three feet across pair of tighty whities. What, what do you Not do so with tidy. that? What do you do with that? You can you could be wear it as a shawl. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which you are doing right now. Yep. So that is, uh, you can't underestimate the power of underwear. Andy leaves the underpants draped over his shoulders, continues fishing around in his bag. Here, we got these. That's a squeaky. Oh, do that again. I mean, you can make anything squeak with this. Like, see, that's my nose. Instead of having a big red squeaky nose, you have it inside your hand. And yeah, it and looks I can, like you're I can just... make your nose squeak. Oh, make my nose squeak. Well, I got to come over there. Is that okay, all right? Yeah, yeah. Come it's, over and make my nose it's radio. squeak. radio. They're not going to know the difference. <laughs> well, <laughs> authenticity, man. It's going to be fun. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I make That's this guy's nose squeak. What else is in the bag? All right. Um, this is cool. Oh, show me. That's actually a syringe turned into a slide whistle. That is a that's like a medical syringe. Yep, one hundred percent real, bona fide medical. But I, this guy named Doctor Van Posnick, who's a real doctor, figure he makes a lot of musical instruments out of medical equipment, and he figured out how to make this. This is one of these. I use this. Is it, does this ring a bell? <laughs> oh my god! Well, does it? You you rang the bell. Oh, I rang it. Oh, you're a technical person. You like to be <laughs> literal about it. So. Okay, so some people will just say yes, and other people will say, I think you rang the bell, and that teaches you a lot about people. Then you oh, know what how did to, you just learn about me? You're, you're concerned about specifics and details and, like, how things actually happened as opposed to, like, some people, I say, does this ring a bell? And I'm like, well, does it? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, good, just checking, and I put it back in my pocket. Some people, once in a while, someone will say, like, well, actually, you rang the bell. It's a <laughs> bell. You rang it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I can talk literally with this person about technical stuff, and we can have a conversation about details where other kids, that stuff would all go over their heads. So I would just approach you in a different way. It's like a litmus test. Andy's talking about the hospital here, but when you hear him talking about sick kids at the hospital, I want you to substitute that by by thinking about any hard time at home with your kid. What else do we have in here? Oh, these are fun. This is like a, it's a... They use this on your arm when they want to put a needle in it. They tighten. It's a oh, rubber. Yeah. It's, it's like elastic the, rubber, the elastic band that they wrap yeah. around your arm. So these are great because that doesn't hurt, right? But it looks like, ow, like that. So, you know, I could give it to my partner. I'm going to reach across the table and yeah. give you one end of it. Okay, like, I'm Whatever you it. do, don't let go. Don't let go. Whatever. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you let go. I told you not to. Now, this one I've tested out a lot at home, like pretending in an over-the-top way that your kid has hurt you. And I've got to say... It works every single time. I guess we're all masochists at heart. Um, what else we got in here? Oh, well, here, there's this. That's a fart maker. That's really realistic. Now, farts are special because... Because, well, you'll find out the because in just a minute. Don't go away. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back with Andy Sapora and his fart maker. That's realistic sounding, doesn't it? Do you have different names for the different kinds of farts? This is a grandma. Yeah. Totally. And then this is a grandpa. Yeah. And then do you have... What's a mom fart? (laughs) I just did it in the microphone. (laughs) So here's the thing about farts. And I got to take a moment in praise of farts, which like um, farts aren't necessarily funny to everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. But in the hospital, when I was talking about people holding their breath and not wanting to like come back down to earth and be 
a family. What's the one thing you do in your family that you don't do anywhere else? When you're home, that's where people fart. Yeah. So you go to the hospital and you think you're going to get out of there soon. So you all just sit in there not farting. One of the best ways to feel comfortable in a hospital, and I do use this with my kids, is to reclaim the space. So, like, we go into the doctor's office. I start tearing up the paper. You know the paper they put on the bench? Yeah. I start ripping it and throwing it around <laughs> the room. And, and then my kids are like, all right, we own this place. <laughs> this isn't a scary place where we don't belong. This is, like, our place. Yeah. And I'm basically trying to do that for families all the time. That's what we do in the hospital is try to give you back your own family space where you can be comfortable. I don't think anything works better than farts for that, actually, that you just sort of like you go into a room. I just want to note that you just adjusted the giant underpants that are on your well, shoulders. started falling off. Like, on my... oh, oh, no, they're, yeah. they're out of place. Okay, yeah. go on about the farts. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I can, I can, oh, sorry, that happened. I wasn't expecting it. To, just that one just leaked out a little. That was, re, that was a real one. You can interrupt yourself. I have a tie and I pull on it and I'm like, this, this, this. One of my tie-ins, I, I make it squeak, and then I say, oh, this little part here does Oh, I, that's, <laughs> I, I was like, look surprised by that one. I mean, I can, I can, oh, sorry, I dropped that. Ma'am, could you help me pick it up? And she bends over, and I give her a goose, <laughs> right? right. I hold it right behind her. It's obvious I'm doing it, but the kid's still enjoying that. And yeah. I, th- I, you know, I think there are more, there's more to fart noises in, in the hospital than just, like, silly humor. I think they're actually kind of magical. Like, they, they do restart that homeness of the feeling of the family. Another reason making fart noises with kids is funny, just like talking about poop can be funny, is that you're giving them permission to break the rules. Now this one, this isn't really an official clowning principle, but Andy uses it all the time with his kids. He'll be in the car, say. One of the boys will be freaking out. We're driving in the car. He was screaming and crying. We were trying to talk to him and he was just being like angry and saying pop, like really loud. The kid, he won't stop screaming pop. It's driving Andy crazy. He's okay with his son saying pop, but he wants him to tone it down. And I was like, ah, don't say pop, not pop. That's the worst thing you could say. And and so I was like, listen, this is a quiet time for being calm and respectful. And I really laid it on thick. Andy lays on a thick dose of reverse psychology. He, sure enough, he like waited and waited and waited. And then he went pop and he said it again. And I was like, yes, it's working. Because he knew that I was saying don't do this. But what I was really saying was do this. And that's very intrinsic to clown play. It's like, whatever you do, when I gave you this elastic earlier on, and I said, whatever you do, don't let go. And then you were like, and you let go. That was because you understood the basic rule, which is if somebody's like, don't knock this pile of blocks over, then you knock it over, right? Because it's so fun. So I said, don't say pop, don't say pop. And he said pop. And then we just went back and forth with that for like, another half an hour. And there was no more crying. And you know, of course, the obvious thing that most parents probably think is like, oh, crap, now you've taught your kid how to not listen to you when you do actually need them to be quiet. And I say that is maybe the difference between being a clown parent and a non-clown parent is that from having enough experience watching kids know the difference between irony and seriousness that I have like logged a lot of hours playing in that zone where I see kids get it, that it's a joke. You know, I think really often as a parent, um, it's, you can, within seconds, go from being sort of like feeling fine to feeling like outraged. Mm-hmm. And um, what you're saying is that it really helps to like take a step back and turn um, like this moment of conflict into a moment of play. Mm-hmm. How do you get yourself into the right mindset to go from, you know, outrage to I'm going to play a game? 
I think I notice it not working, and I say to myself, the next time around when this happens, I'm going to see it coming, and I'm going to make it play. You have I don't, to, I don't you try have to, to fight it in the moment. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this is melting down and not working, I try. I tend to lose the battle because you can't teach someone who's screaming. You know, just lose, give up, let them win, whatever it is, and then come around with an idea for the next time that happens if they're going to keep doing it. Have Have you ever had a fail with your kids when you've been trying to use like your clown manipulation techniques with them? <laughs> clown manipulation. I I mean, I think. My failure with them is always that I start in with the energy that is, I can do this. Like, I can play this game and make it work out and win. And then I get in over my head, and the thing we're playing is too difficult to do for hours and hours, too tiring. I'm not really very good at being, like, patiently, ongoingly committed to the game. I think I'm good at, like, going in and playing hard for five minutes and really making you laugh, helping you restart your clock, and then leaving. (laughs) That restarting your clock thing is what Andy does with kids at the hospital. That's the short game, he says. With his kids, though, he's got to also play the long game. So like today, the short game might be finding a creative way to get his kids to eat lunch. But the long game is to get them to eat healthy foods for life. The way he's doing that, the best he can, is to be flexible and follow their leads even if what they want goes against his parental instincts. When Andy's son was not quite two years old, he had an obsession. He was interested in knives, like gave him safe knives, and he was like, this isn't what I'm talking about. And he was clear about that. Andy's son wanted a real knife, like a real sharp kitchen knife, which freaked Andy out. A a two-year-old with a knife? But the kid, kid wouldn't let up. So Andy put his son in a high chair with a cutting board, half an apple, and a knife. Okay, ready? Andy shot a video of this. That's what you're hearing right now. Yeah. In the video, you see this tiny kid with a mop of blonde hair very intently chopping an apple into slices. Andy says he was a wreck, wondering if he was doing the right thing. Easy, easy. Slow down. But now his son is four, and he's great at cutting, and he knows how to do it safely. That, that's the long game, Andy says empowering your kids, helping them to know they're in charge of themselves. Oh, there's a piece for daddy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can catch Andy Sapora performing with the Flying Karamazov Brothers. Check their Facebook page for their schedule. Interesting side note here, Andy has also performed with Pagliacci, the Italian opera with clowns, which our last guest, Christina Tracy, does makeup for. That's a total coincidence. I think a lot of us have used clown techniques in our parenting without even realizing it. We want to hear about all the ways that you've manipulated your kids with games or how your parents manipulated you. Or maybe you had a clown visit you when you were in the hospital. Leave your comment at longestshortesttime.com on the post for this episode. That's episode 83. And if you need a bag to hold all of your clown props, buy our tote bag. Go find it at longestshortesttime.com on the post about merch or, you know, forget the whole clowning thing and drink your troubles away with our shot glasses. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Get it? Clowny? Sorry, I couldn't resist. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. John. John. I've been meaning to talk to you, actually. It's uh, it's about the ponytail. It's, uh, 
I respect it. I respect it. I, I, and I don't want anybody else to uh, give any crap about it. And uh, I can tell that sometimes they do. And I just want to let you know I'm, I'm with you. He's giving a knowing nod. <laughs> Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Akatunde. Thanks to Dan Pashman for insisting that I should talk to a clown. And thanks to all of you who called in questions for our clown. Your questions helped me to figure out what I even wanted to ask Andy. Thanks also to the Big Apple Circus Clown Care Program and to St. Barnabas Medical Center for letting us record Andy at work. Andy's clowning partner in those recordings, Dr. Petey, has a real name. It's Peter Daniel Strauss. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. I don't feel the pull, the glow, the ache for children. I feel that feeling for dogs and for desserts, but not for children. Okay, picture a woman saying this. Now, picture her saying this to her pregnant friend. If you've ever had a friend choose a different path from you, you don't want to miss this show. So make sure you're subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We have been loving your weird parenting wins. You've been sending those in in droves and we love them. Weird parenting wins are all those things that worked on your kid but were not in the parenting books. These can also be things that your parents tried on you when you were a kid. Keep these coming. We have a post on the website where you can leave your comments. But send us any story at all about your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents. Most of all, we just want to be surprised. So go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Scott Ackerman here, and I want to tell you that the Comedy Bang Bang show is going on tour. We're on tour right now. Me, Paul F. Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, Neil Campbell for half of it, and Mike Hanford for the other half. And you can get in on the madness even without a ticket by following Earwolf on Snapchat. We'll be taking snaps during shows on the road and behind the scenes. And remember, you can hear every single live show the next day on Howl. Use the code CBBLIVE at Howl.fm when you sign up, and you'll get one month for free. Thanks, and I'll see you soon in a city near you. Los Angeles, California! Stand up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.